Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 32. In 2022, it was reported that there were a little under 40,000 pubs and bars operating in the UK and declining due to change in consumer behavior, a first in UK history. Despite dropping numbers, British society continues to be heavily alcoholic. For young males, especially, the pressure to socialize with drinking is not only expected, it's considered weak if they don't drink. My next guest made that decision to stop drinking despite the odds. Matt Morris, age 30, lives in London, UK, and has been alcohol-free since July 2021. Matt would always drink socially, both at work and with friends, but he was only drinking because that's just what happened, not because he actually wanted to. He actually felt there was no choice. So Matt decided to take that choice back, claim back the independence that he had lost to alcohol over many years through most of his 20s. Making the final decision to stop drinking was exciting, but it hit him like a ton of bricks trying to live his old life in the same way, just without alcohol. This drove Matt to set up Dry Spell, a blog that normalizes sober socializing. In Matt's words, it should be totally normal if someone doesn't want to drink, occasionally or ever. No one should feel weird, left out, isolated, or judged. If Dry Spell can make one person feel better about themselves and life choices, then that's what this is all about. Take a listen. Hi, Matt. Thank you for coming on my podcast. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? Excellent. And Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. Right. <laughs> right? So yeah. let's just talk. Um, let's dive right in. Tell me a little bit what life was like before you chose to be alcohol free. Yeah. Um, so I suppose uh, typical for um, kind of someone my age and someone uh, in my kind of uh, time of life, I um, started drinking um, probably around probably, you know, like bingey drinking, party drinking around mm-hmm. the age of kind of 17 onwards and pretty much until I was about 29. That was every weekend or mm-hmm. uh, definitely every social event, but but most weekends were probably full of um, full of alcohol. And, and that would um, even be, you know, quite pub trips. There'd be alcohol involved. It would be made birthdays. Every work drink and every work event would be kind of with kind of alcohol would be involved in, in, in some form. And I think that speaks very much to the culture in the UK where you, you kind of drink um, uh, for celebrations, for commiserations, for promotions, for you name it, it's kind of, um, it's kind of alcohol is involved. And it got to the point um, for me, I think, where uh, I realized that by, well, first of all, I wasn't choosing to drink necessarily. It was just mm. the pattern that I'd fallen into or, um, the culture here made you feel like you didn't really have a choice. It was just if you were going out on the weekend or for dinner or whatever, you would just drink alcohol. And um, got to the point where I felt like that was impacting me uh, negatively more so and kind of outweighing the benefits that I would get from any of that that social drinking. So be that physical health, be that mental health, be that performance at work, be that kind of clarity of mind or you know, quality of sleep or you name it, really, I, I felt like that was having a negative impact. So so it got to the point where um, the negatives are outweighing the positives so much for me that I, d- I decided to to stop drinking um, completely. And I'd given it a couple of goes before where uh, I'd 
um, I've had maybe two or three months tactical breaks from, from drinking and always kind of come back to it, assuming that either I'd be able to or want to drink less when you get sure. into those drinking situations. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't quite work out like that. And then in the summer of 2021, probably at the worst time ever, because we were just coming out of COVID right. and everyone was really excited again to, to kind of go out and start drinking. And, and you know, football tournaments are massive things so over here in, in England, especially. And we were actually doing quite well in the, in the Euros, which um, <laughs> it's a surprise for us to do well. But it also is a time where, you know, everybody uses that as an excuse to drink, really. So mid football tournament mid summer after covid decided to decided to give it up and that was kind of 18 months ago and um and yeah now, now here i am uh, having not drunk in 18 months and, and generally feeling pretty pretty good for it oh, well congratulations and um Thanks. again you know talk a little more about you know being a young person i mean you're in your 30 you're 30 really yeah. and yeah. kind of where not only are you 30 where it's acceptable and expected to like explore and go out and celebrate you know as a young professional but the UK especially I looked it up and you guys have maybe almost 40,000 pubs in the UK <laughs> what really the bad. hell and that's a lower number than in all of your history from what I understand so tell me a little yeah. bit more about that kind of culture because and then you know we'll talk a little bit how you actually got over the hump to go beyond tactical breaks to actually breaking it you know I mean that can't be easy so tell me more of that pressure growing up yeah. or now even it's, it's a really interesting point because it, I probably didn't realize the extent of firstly the pressure but also how ingrained it was into our culture until I stopped drinking and started to reflect on the drinking my drinking uh -huh. habits and the drinking sure. habits of my peers so um I don't think it's an over-exaggeration to say that alcohol is literally so important to the British way of life and, and culture. I mean, um, our humour often is based around drinking. I mean, <laughs> bonding at work, dating, um, as I said, kind of celebrating, commiserating. It's all, it often revolves around alcohol. I mean, holidays. I mean, people talk about holidays um, as a relaxation thing, and that goes hand in hand with drinking. I mean, it even got into the... It's even kind of made its way into the wellness and fitness space almost in the sense that you know you, you have a glass of wine as self-care to relax and, and wind down and kind of you know as a reward at the end of the week or whatever it is and mm -hmm. i generally don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it is it is involved in pretty much everything in, in the way of british life and as i said i didn't realize that until i started drinking i mean simple things like buying a birthday card for someone if you go into a card shop um in in the uk easily half the cards are alcohol related especially for females actually on that wow. it's just about you know people getting drunk or um having a gin-tastic time or you name it gin-tastic um, time wow <laughs> always stuff like that. but um but more more broadly it is often a way that you you bond right so um in in business and kind of in in social life you'll meet you meet someone for a beer or you kind of like have a difficult discussion over a glass of wine or mm -hmm. um whatever it might be so um i didn't think i appreciated the extent of that until i i tried to stop to stop myself because you then came across scenarios where previously you might not have even associated it with alcohol or drinking but because you're trying not to drink or, uh -huh. or, or turn down a drink you realize that it is in fact involved in a lot of things and you mentioned pubs there so 40,000 pubs I mean everyone um 
everyone always kind of associates almost the Brits and, and the English with going to the pub, right? And oh, yeah. Often things that we enjoy outside of drinking, I suppose, like sports or, you know, football here especially, it's very, very interlinked with alcohol and drinking and, and, and pub culture. So um, the pressure... Well, sorry. First of all, the culture makes it makes it feel like everything is is drink related, and that can be pretty difficult if you're trying to to stop because the expectation almost is that you just drink because that's what what everyone does. Um, I appreciate in you know I live in London and that is much more multicultural, and there are areas of of London where it's not as I suppose that pressure is more um, not as prevalent for, for for different racial groups or, or, or religions, but for you know young professionals of Mm -hmm. um kind of places i've lived in london especially in like south london and, and working in the city and stuff it is it's pretty much everywhere so the the culture made it makes it difficult and then because of that i think hand in hand there is there is pressure and that comes from work that comes from friends that comes from family even um and uh it, there is definitely a kind of a a pressure to also justify why you're not drinking because it is seen as almost abnormal if, if you're not right like and why then, are you what's wrong with you right yeah why would you not want to have a drink and um uh you know that everyone has heard them before that you know that could be because you're boring or it could be because um well, you know you're not you can't handle it or you're not as fun as anyone else and you know just have a laugh and that kind of stuff that's one element of the, of the pressure but um I, I think as well um there is a an uncomfortable truth that a lot of people know that the level that they drink isn't isn't healthy or or is not is not great. But um, and and when someone challenges that with a with I'm not drinking, that can almost be it can almost be a way of internally offending them, I suppose, into their own uh. their own choices. And, and it helps to you can't really justify your drinking if if not everyone's doing it. And that is definitely a case of mm -hmm. um, I used to be absolutely guilty of that where you would always hope that somebody would be drinking more than you because then you could say well my drinking's not as bad as xyz and that uh -huh. is a hundred percent hundred percent true for um uh, for many many people i know especially that i've spoken to now as i've got sober they they all say the same and um th and because of that i suppose there is always a pressure to drink and, and people will always say hey if you're not that bad or you know you I don't really understand because you know, you've got a job or like you're still you're still in a relationship and you've got friends or whatever it might be and almost looking for a, an absolute rock bottom moment before you, ah, you can right. you cannot drink so um the pressure comes in a number of different forms but I, I, what I would say though is that I, I do think it is getting better um I definitely in the last couple of years uh the availability of alcohol free options in particular in bars and pubs in, in the UK has increased massively um and the variety is, is brilliant compared to what it used to be even just a few years ago. And and I do think as well, the younger generations, so even younger than me, so like your, your, your Gen Z or Gen right. Z um, uh, generations are, I, I think are definitely drinking less and that there are stats out there to, to prove that. That I mean, um, I think more than half of, of Gen Z, or Gen Z, sorry, were saying that they were going to have a dry Christmas this year in the UK. So mm -hmm. um, especially around traditionally festive times where alcohol would play a major part um i think there is a bit of a shift and, and that is coming in the form of, of people acknowledging and recognizing their mental health as, as important and the, the negative effects that alcohol can have on that um but also just a generally a bit more health conscious i think the younger generation than, than previous generations and that is leading to hopefully fewer 
um, fewer young people drinking to, to the extent that uh, generation, my generation and, and older generations have them. I think that that is a, a beautiful summary of kind of the arc of how things are changing in terms of mindset, which is impacting the culture um, to the point where pubs are are declining actually in number because of consumer behavior changes like you're talking about. Um, so tell me a little bit about when you decided to, first of all, t explain a little bit about your tactical breaks and then the complete break, because at that point in time, maybe people weren't as mindful um, yeah. and mocktails maybe not as popular at that point, but you have friends that are drinking, mm -hmm. and you're, you've gone out, I mean, since you were in your teens, so this has been ingrained in you. So you did mention that you wanted to feel better, but where did that idea come from? Was anyone around you going, great, Matt, let, I'm going to join you, or did you feel kind of alone? And then when you did stop, what was that like initially? Mm. No, it's all very good, all fair questions. So Firstly, no, no one was jumping to my support <laughs> saying, oh, yes, yeah, I'll do it with you. Some way. I'm, I'm so happy you're not drinking anymore. Um, <laughs> no, that, that was not a, a common theme. And, um, you know, part of the reasons why I think I was in and out of those of those tactical breaks, really, um, not drinking at times, uh, I felt pretty lonely, to be honest, mm -hmm. felt pretty frustrated um, uh, with either the lack of acceptance, not on an individual level, because people are generally quite nice usually my friends are generally quite nice and it wasn't that um, they wanted to make me feel bad but it was the lack of acceptance on a societal level is where I, I, I found it really difficult and mm. it was almost like things are not set up for the non-drinker so um, restaurants wouldn't cater to it uh, bars it's hit and miss if people really knew what an alcohol beer alcohol free beer was sorry at the time right. when I was doing my tactical breaks sporting events concerts don't really have that kind of option and oh, yeah. um you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't very easy um, because I didn't feel like it was. It was you were definitely in the minority, or felt like you were in the minority. Sure. It wasn't it wasn't as advertised or as normal to to be an alcohol-free person. So, I gave my tactical breaks a go because I wanted to feel better from a physical, and mental health point of view. Um, I was often quite tired. Um, one really big thing for me, um, I used to suffer with, with quite bad brain fog where mm -hmm. at work, for example, I find it difficult to concentrate or um, I would I find it just, you know, almost like hard work just being alert day to day. And I definitely feel like alcohol was a main cause of that. And ever since I've stopped drinking, I've definitely had a, a clarity of thought that I didn't have when, when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. um, but those are some of the reasons why I tried it. But, but dipping back in and now, I think, as I kind of alluded to at the start, I did think maybe if I have a couple months off when I go back to drinking, I'll just want to drink less. Mm -hmm. um, but never happens. Once you've had a couple of beers or a couple of um, drinks and you're out with your mates, you know, you don't just, that moderation kind of goes away pretty quickly and you get right. caught up with that. Um, so th that didn't really work. And I just kind of go back into my normal cycles of, of, of drinking. And, um, and then, yeah, I think it was one of those, I, I clearly wanted to stop drinking a lot longer before I did actually make the decision to stop drinking. So mm -hmm. looking back, I, I wanted to stop drinking when I had those tactical breaks, but just couldn't make myself do it fully. And then it got to the point where, you know, there's never a good time to stop drinking. Right. Oh, yeah. So you're always waiting for the perfect time, but someone's always got a birthday. Someone's always getting married. There's always something mm -hmm. where you can make an excuse saying you need to drink at an event. So there's never a good time. And 
I was actually out drunk at the time when I thought, you know what, like enough's enough now. Like nothing bad had happened. I was just like, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I just need to kind of make the plunge and do it. And I think um, having that, um, that final forever decision has actually made it easier for me because it's not um, about thinking about okay is now the time that I go back to drinking and how many drinks therefore do I have and, and all of that it's just a decision that's been made and I just don't drink so there's never a question when you go out to a bar with mates or, or a pub or restaurant that oh I might have one I just I just don't and and that that wow. for me personally has, has worked well because there's no question then of that it's just I won't be drinking so I'll have to have something else Oh my goodness. So tell me from the pressure standpoint, now that you're in this space, which is, is amazing to know because your environment is quite the opposite, even though it's becoming a little more alcohol-free friendly, if we can even say that. Um, so when you make this decision, you mentioned earlier on it was quite lonely at points. Mm -hmm. And because your life didn't change, it just was alcohol-free with that same life. So tell me a little bit what kind of lifestyle shifts you made because of, of this forever decision. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a really good point because for me, um, stopping drinking isn't the silver bullet that I think you kind right. of hope it is or a lot of people might think it is where mm -hmm. as soon as you stop alcohol, everything's great and you're just living a fantastic life and all right. your problems have gone away and you're happy. It's not quite like that. So for the first six months of not drinking, I actually found it pretty difficult to be honest. And mm -hmm. um, that was mainly because to your point there, I basically stopped drinking, but just continued to live my life in exactly the same way as I'd done before without making kind of other necessary, I guess, adjustments that, that mm -hmm. I hadn't done. So um, it's kind of a two sided coin though, because saying that there's nothing that I cannot do sober that I could do drunk so right. I you know I've been on nights out weddings stag do's holidays you name it sober and they're better than than going being drunk but mm -hmm. what you need to I suppose realize and be conscious of is you're not going to be out until 3 a.m every weekend and you're not going to be wanting to hang around with people that are you know really drunk or on drugs or whatever all the time mm -hmm. you, like that's not going to work with your new your new lifestyle really and you, you have to slowly kind of phase out and know i suppose know when the right time for you uh, mm. to leave it so things if you're not having fun you're not having fun and you can't force yourself to try and have fun through things sure. that you think you should still be doing so for the first six months I, I was doing that i was still trying to kind of force myself to have fun when it got to the point where i just i just wasn't mm -hmm. and um now i've kind of got into a rhythm where you know, you need to say no to the things that you know you're not going to enjoy and, and say yes to the things that, that you will. And um, you still need to show up for your friends and, and things like that, but you can do that in a way that works for you and that has worked for me. So, you know, knowing kind of a trigger or a time to leave um, an event when maybe people are starting to tell you the story for the second time that you've already heard. Or, <laughs> or the um, fourth. Or, when, yeah, exactly. or you know, when the shots start to come out, usually oh, is usually yeah. the time that I start to leave. But um you can still you can still turn up and, and go at those events and, and kind of enjoy them um, to a, to a point. It's just you need to find that that kind of balance, and um, that that has made me realise, I suppose, um, what I do and really do and don't enjoy in life. So a lot of the things mm. when I was drinking, you'd be going to because you think you enjoy them, and that is like sports or music or um, clubs or whatever it might be. But more often than not, if you think about it. I think about it I was there for 
I was there because we were all there getting drunk. I wasn't there necessarily because that's what I wanted to do. And uh, it's uh, almost like when you give up drinking, there's a period of time of a reset where, okay, what do I actually like and what do I actually want to do? And then mm. the things that don't serve you anymore, you just, you just don't need to do those. And um, you can still, as I said, if, if even if sober, you love kind of going raving and going out until kind of 5 a.m., then you can do that sober. You do not need to be drunk to do that. And that's, that's what I've realized. But, um, but knowing what, what isn't isn't fun for you on an actual personal level rather than what you did think what you used to think was fun as part of your your drinking life is is quite an important thing and that really helped me to to kind of break out of that that frustration from the early six months so I I kind of felt lonely I guess because Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't having fun on my own and other people were still having a lot of fun doing the things they liked doing most which was drinking and and all in my head, which was drinking, and and, and I used to think oh, I'm never going to be involved in anyone's anyone's fun anymore because if mm. I stop drinking, then, um, then I'm not part of, of what people love to do. But you know, after that six months, you realise it's not necessarily what people love to do. It's just um, it's just kind of the, the culture we're in, and, and you can have fun in many other ways and still connect with those people um, outside of a club at three a.m. It doesn't have to be the only time that that you tell your friends that you love them. I think that's beautifully said because you're right. There is a lot of loss when you shift a lifestyle because what I heard you say, it's really about setting boundaries, understanding what your balance is and really figuring out. Um, You said something about like resetting, meaning kind of having some intention on kind of what is actually healthy for you. What is what you really enjoy as a person outside of the culture and the, the beats and the booze and all that stuff right um you know you and to really identify and reestablish what fun is so with all of that how what is fun for you these days Mm. what do you do that's fun yeah so um as i said i think a lot of my weekends were were previously revolved around alcohol in some form activities right related yeah it would have been drinking it would have been the pub it would have been whatever but but now i mean I was a bit worried that I was going to fall out of love with things that I thought I did love. So things like football and sport, and I really mm-hmm. like football, soccer, sorry, I mean, and, and cricket. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, uh, and that, and looking back, a lot of that was, was revolved around alcohol, but you just have to do it in different ways, and I still love doing that. Um, so I've managed to maintain kind of my love for the sports that I like and things, but you just do it in a different way. I'm not going out on an all day drinking session with everyone now to watch mm. it. I'm watching at my own time or going or playing whenever, whenever I feel like I want to, um, live music as well. I love, and I love traveling and you can do all of those things kind of about alcohol, but to your point again, about the reset there, mm-hmm. you have to do it again for the first time, almost like you've never done it before, because um, when you do go traveling on weekends away, we're very lucky in Europe, you can get to some pretty amazing places right. within like two hours of London. And um, often before I stopped drinking, that would have been an excuse to, you know, 48 hours pretty much of, of drinking. Mm-hmm. And um, you can still, you just have to find what you actually loved about that. So I love the traveling because I love seeing new places and trying new food and going to new experiences. And you can do all of that without drinking, but you just have to do it at least once to kind of prove to yourself that 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 is what you actually like. And that's, that's actually what you you want to do. So for me, you know, keeping up with my interests and sport and stuff outside of the drinking arena. So that's been, I've managed to maintain that interest and then live music and traveling as well are things that I really enjoy and, and have managed to kind of separate the alcohol out from that. But just by 
concentrating on what you actually like about those things in the first place. So, you know, as I said, experiencing new things and new food and seeing new places is what I really loved about traveling. And I could do all of that without alcohol. Excellent. And so choosing what you really, what your heart says that you enjoy, I, I wonder what kind of conversations you had to go through to talk to some of your current friends or friends you've known since maybe you were a teen. Um, You know, what kind of conversations shifted and how did they go for you moving forward with that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's no secret or it's commonly mentioned that men in particular don't like difficult conversations. Oh, like feelings? Right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or talking about stuff like that. So it wasn't always the easiest and it it was often avoided by even Mm. some of my kind of like closest friends don't really want to talk about it because it might just be uncomfortable and awkward and I had a couple of awkward conversations about it I mean generally people are quite accepting of it initially kind of quizzical of it like why like Like, what 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 are you going to do instead um (laughs) uh but you know that that over time it gets better because people just get used to it i mean initially again this is probably one of the reasons why in the first six months i I felt quite lonely because every Mm -hmm. time you met a person for the first time you'd after you'd stopped drinking you had to have the same conversation around this is why um i felt like i had to justify it and i felt Mm -hmm. like the more and more people you spoke to that said why made you feel like you were more and more weird for not doing it so Mm -hmm. the first six months i think that definitely played into that and there were some there were some awkward and harder conversations and um funnily though i i found it with my with my close friends eventually it became much easier much quicker so they knew me you know since i was a kid often um so pre-drinking and you know i'd lived with a number of them so not everything around our friendship was built up built up around alcohol so there was a more common ground there than um than the alcohol but you know it's fair to say some friendships i've probably um distanced from over the mm-hmm. 18 months because you actually realized that what you had in common was, was more the drinking than, than anything else and right. you know that's kind of okay because you don't enjoy that anymore and um and, and they do and and that is unfortunately i think just a, a bit of a side effect of of that lifestyle change that you make but i think for me the the more noticeable impact has been um with people i don't know as well so often those people is where drinking is a, a bit of a leveler in the UK. So what I mean by that is you bond over alcohol straight oh, away. Right. Like it's either for, for, for men, I kind of, it feels like it's either sport or drinking or both. And, and if you can't talk about sport or drinking with them, then you, you're kind of struggling. Oh, um, uh-huh. And so I found that harder because a lot of people will, you want to go for a beer with you or, um, you know, or, or speak about drinking. I mean, people tend to speak about drinking a weird amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I've noticed that that's been a, a bit trickier because uh, you're often, they're often met with a bit of surprise when you say you don't drink and, and can be sometimes quite resistant. But more often than not, as I said, my, my close friends, it's not been an issue after the initial awkwardness and that's mm-hmm. probably more me than, than anything else. Um, and it depends what, you, what you're doing really. So, if the event or what, what you're doing, the ultimate goal is to get drunk. So you're going to a pub all day, everyone's drinking, there's mm-hmm. nothing to do other than that. You are going to feel awkward and left out and the conversations aren't going to be great for you. And if there's loads of drinking games, you know, it's just not, yeah. your, that's not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing something else where the main activity isn't, 
isn't drinking so it might be something to do with work it might be a birthday it might be an activity or a holiday often you forget about the drinking to an extent and mm-hmm. and people tend to forget that you're not drinking right it's not a big deal to other people that, that you don't drink after a while people kind of accept it kind of forget about it and if and if they are drinking heavily even if there's a another event on they kind of forget that you're not because they <laughs> right. they're drunk, right? um so there are some difficult conversations but mm-hmm. um they off they happen mainly at the start for me and as i got spent more time on on the journey they got they got easier but just pushing through that and getting through that and then and then it gets better and everyone kind of knows that that you don't drink and people become more respectful of that over time definitely so um you know people start to consider alcohol free options when you go to visit their house or will order you a non-alcoholic drink without you even asking or or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um and what the kind of the pinnacle for me of of not drinking is when someone says to you i'm thinking about drinking less or um or like you know having a non-alcoholic beer with you without even mentioning anything it's it's that's good because it feels like either your life choice is rubbing off on them which is brilliant Mm -hmm. um or you're just showing them that there's another way that you know you don't have to drink this doesn't have to be a drinking thing if you don't want it to be if you do want it to be cool but don't feel any pressure it's normal not to want to Mm -hmm. and that brings us to kind of what your um how you started dry spell a little bit right um tell us a little bit how that occurred which is your blog page correct yeah correct yeah so how did that come about yeah so um when i first stopped drinking as i said i struggled for a bit in that six months felt quite felt quite lonely and didn't have a sober community to the extent that i do now and um i spent a lot of time uh reading um like quitlet and uh, the non-alcoholic books and stuff like that and and that really helped me And, and in particular came across one in the uk by millie gooch called the sober girl society and it was basically um, a group set up for um, for women and girls that were sober or sober curious that wanted to, you know, have a community within within that um, uh, within that sober kind of uh, area. And I looked everywhere for a male version of one in the UK, and, and I couldn't find one. And wow. Dry Spell initially was was I wanted to set up a blog or a space or a community for men as well for males because I often find um, there's a lot of uh, pressure to drink as a man um, mm-hmm. especially in the UK I, I, I feel like um, people don't like to talk about it and it's often seen as a form of weakness to, to not drink as a man and some of the comments and stuff that I've had in the past have often been related to you know being being weak or you mm. can't handle it because you're a man that doesn't drink and um, so I was quite keen to find some other like-minded blokes I guess right. boys that, that, we could, um, that we could talk about non-alcoholic beers with or you know just go and watch the football and don't feel the pressure to drink or whatever it might be and originally it was meant to be a space for that but I I kind of changed it over time just into a blog that helped me deal with my own kind of feelings around around not drinking and um, I use it now just as a a kind of a space to um, uh, you know be it kind of funny or just experiences right about how best that I've managed in the last 18 months and, and hopefully you know even if that helps one person with with their decision to maybe drink less or or not not at all then um then great but uh, that and the instagram page is mainly just to um to, to help me vent my feelings in a mm. uh, in a social media platform i mean that in just hearing that my first thought was wow that's very brave but it but 
beyond brave, what, what has it been like for you to, to express yourself this way as a man, a young man in London, okay, a professional, you know, that is kind of going upstream against the cultural norms because you are actually normalizing sobriety or alcohol freeness? Yeah. And that's what I've, I kind of always say this to my like friends and, and family and stuff. I think the ultimate goal of all of everything is, is I just want it to be a normal thing that someone doesn't drink. Right. Mm. So the fact that I, I felt so bad for ages because I didn't, because I didn't drink and I felt like I was left out. And then you even have those internal thoughts that there might be something wrong with oh, me for yeah, not wanting right. to drink almost like that shouldn't be the case. And the fact that our society is so heavily, um, kind of centered around alcohol makes makes it feel like it is and i suppose um that's not going to change unless there are more voices out there talking about it being normal and, and and people kind of showing that you can still have fun live a better life even than than a drinking one and you're not going to lose all your friends and, and you're not going to be able to um you're not going to have to give up all of your your hobbies or whatever it might be so um, just speaking about it and adding another voice to the already pretty vibrant sober community now out there on, on socials, so mm -hmm. Instagram and um, and other platforms, it, it's definitely growing and, and gaining traction. And, um, you know, everyone in the sober community is, is so um, supportive, really. And, and that has helped me, I suppose, put my feelings out there and, and not feel judged about them. So um, I was always worried about what my closest friends and family and people would say, mm -hmm. um, and, and then people at work, especially as well. That that that's difficult. But um, but the sober community, um, be that you know, on the on the spectrum of right from sober curious, still drinking but interested to to drink less, all the way to kind of um, you know properly uh, kind of like recovering alcoholics or mm -hmm. um, people with, with severe addiction. Um, are all super supportive for, for, for kind of more sober voices and, and kind of explaining the, the benefits of sobriety, but also kind of the downfalls of, of alcohol and how it kind of hangs over our society in the way it does. I think absolutely. I mean, there's more information now about addiction and more advocacy about sober curious, you know, um, alcohol-free drinks, which is becoming uh, an industry now, uh, yeah. right, which yeah. is amazing. Um, so tell us what's next for you and Dry Spell. Yeah, I just, I'm just going to kind of carry on, carry uh -huh. on using it, to, um, to vent my feelings basically uh -huh. and, uh, and try and, um, hopefully reach as many people as, um, as possible in terms of just another, another opinion, another voice on, on, you know, how it's possible to, to live alcohol free. And, and, and if people are thinking about giving up drinking or cutting back on their, on their alcohol consumption then you know there are many ways to do that and as I, I kind of said earlier and it's an important one is there is never a good time so being able to to help people through times when you know where you think you should be drinking a good example of that is stag do's right or stag parties and right you, those are something that you I used to think how can I ever do that without drinking but you know in, in 2022 I, I had five and I did all of those those sober and it is possible and one mm -hmm. of my blog posts talks about, you know, the benefits of that and what you can do to um, to kind of get through those weekends. So if that's, as I said, even helping just a couple of people to to have the, I suppose, courage to, to stop drinking in, in mm -hmm. those times, then, then that's that's a brilliant thing. And I think overall, um, we're going to try and do a, a kind of a five-a-side football thing in London where, um, you know, sober curious and sober 
uh, people can get together for, for some sport, but also some alcohol-free beers afterwards. And, you know, just keeping that, um, trying to do normal things, but in a sober way, to, mm-hmm. just to show that you can continue to, to live that, that life normally, but just without the alcohol. Well, without the alcohol, it sounds like it's it's more of a fulfilling life from your perspective, exactly. right? Just living, and you can have a hell of a great time too, um, because I I love that your blog is called Dry Spell. Tell me about where that what does that mean? Because there's a <laughs> lot of meanings to it. I think. Yeah, no, there are a few. I think um, when I was looking for a name, I wanted to play on on dry. Um, <laughs> And uh, dry spell, so it's funny, isn't it? It's kind of a different generational thing. So mm-hmm. when I, I was talking to my dad and people, at, some people at work about it, dry spell offered like a warm patch of weather, right? So <laughs> right. it was like a positive thing. And then uh, some of my mates, when I said dry spell, you know, it's it's often a period of time where maybe you've not got much action. So it's <laughs> a little right. bit of a negative connotation. Um, but generally, I think as well, what it being a spell, I wanted it to... You know just a period of time i didn't want it to be exclusive for people that had made that decision forever because i myself had those kind of tactical breaks and mm-hmm. you can have a spell of not drinking right and, and sure. i just wanted it to be a bit inclusive more inclusive for um people that were, were sober curious and wanted to test a you know a life with less mm-hmm. or, or no alcohol in as well i think that that's awesome um how can people reach you and find your blog Yes, yeah, so uh, the blog itself is dryspell.uk, mm-hmm. um, and then on Instagram as well, my handle is dry.spell.uk, and my name's Matt Morris, so if you, you search all of those things at once, I'm sure some stuff will come up. Wonderful. If there's one, if you, and you've talked a lot about really good like things to do and ways to think about things, um, being a 30-year-old male in the UK where, like you said, describe the culture there, even though it's becoming less pressure. What are are the top three things that you would say to someone who's like, you know, after listening to Matt, this is really interesting. Um, It doesn't have to be forever, but it can. Um, But I'm afraid to say Mm -hmm. anything because because of this almost toxic masculinity that's kind of surrounded by this. What what three things would you share? Yeah, I think... um the first time you do anything is, is the hardest. So the first time that you try and do something sober, it will be the most difficult time that you do it. And once you've done it, you've got that under your belt and it's done. So if you're scared of doing something because you're not sure what it would be like, it's, it always is going to be worse in your head than it is in reality. And, and I found that. So going to things just once sober, you might not enjoy it, but at least you've said you've done it and you know that you can do it and, and it won't be the end of the world. So I think just trying, trying things sober will help. I think something I didn't do quick enough is finding um, allies in sobriety. So mm-hmm. finding other people that you can speak to about it. And that doesn't have to be many people. That can be one or two people that you feel like um, don't don't drink as well. And, and you can just discuss with them whether your feelings are, are normal or not. So um, I didn't really reach out properly to people for, for a while after I stopped drinking. And I was unsure if me feeling weird or lonely or whatever was normal and, and I believe it is but I didn't yes. have anybody I believe mm. it is now so I didn't have mm. anybody to reach out to so I think straight away I would find some via kind of as I said sober Instagram is a fantastic place and that loads of people supportive people on there so trying new things um diving in and, and just finding some allies to, to speak to um and then as kind of 
reflecting back on what I've said before is, you know, do things that are fun for you. So um, if it's things that, you know, you have hobbies outside of drinking now, then, then kind of really focus on that and, and channel into those. But things, if you know, what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid or when you were younger? Because often or not, you still really like those things. And it's a great way to help distract yourself from um, fr from drinking. And to be fair, that's another good way to meet new people is by, by getting back involved in the things that you really enjoy. And, um, and, and then you can make a network through that as well that won't even be connected to sobriety necessarily. I think that's lovely. And I appreciate you kind of narrowing those things and summarizing them because I think that's really powerful, um, especially for a new year for yeah, people yeah. are doing like right now dry january happens and again this yeah, doesn't have to be forever and also i think it's really important and i appreciate you being here because i think your voice is more popular than ever before okay um and for a young person a young man who's in the drinking culture <laughs> You know, going, huh, we don't have to do that. And reclaiming your voice and your independence away from alcohol. Um, you know, it sounds really brave, but it sounds like, you know, it's it's a lifestyle for you. You don't like yeah, to feel shitty <laughs> anymore, yeah, exactly. you know? And exactly. so you just wanted to move forward. So I think your voice is, is really great. And I'm happy to have you on this platform to begin the normalization process, right? Because over in the US, there are 22 million people right now who's in recovery. That's a lot of people. Mm. And so, and to go international and, and talk to somebody like you in the UK, knowing there is an actual movement, you don't have to be by yourself in this, there and finding community and staying connected is really powerful and it helps you and it sounds like it's helped you made that decision forever it doesn't have to be though like you said but yeah, it no, definitely sure. people can go there and enjoy it and enjoy your, their life so thank you i really appreciate matt that you came on and to talk to us about kind of spell uh dry spell uk thanks again cool. thank you thanks again bye 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 now Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast, Fuck Yesterday, Focus on Today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting, and you can find my podcast on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. Also, you can find me at my website at www.reddoorcc.com. You can email me at mhennon at reddoorcc.com if you're interested in transformational coaching. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.